You're listening to the Three Feet Radio Show with Ben Carbonaro and Luke Herbert. From our studios come special guests and netball commentary. G'day, listeners. We're already halfway through the Suncorp Super Netball season. And uh, joining me in the studio today is my co-host, Luke Herbert. G'day, Luke. G'day, Ben. Halfway. That seems weird considering that the ANZ Premiership kicks off in a matter of days and you guys are, what, halfway through your competition? Strange feeling, Ben. It is a very strange feeling, but uh, just to keep get things moving here, joining us today is the Adelaide Thunderbirds head coach in Dan Ryan. G'day, Dan. How are you? Good, uh, good morning, boys. Going very well. Excellent. Um, first of all, Dan, I'm not the start to the year that you wanted. Oh, certainly not. It's been a, a pretty difficult start across the board for us. And, you know, we always anticipated there were going to be a few challenges early on in the season with the, the disjointed pre-season that we did have with quite a few of our key players away on international duties and a couple rehabbing from injury. So we are kind of under the pump from, from the very first whistle of the first game and we knew it was going to take a bit of time. And as it's turned out, I guess what we maybe anticipated is our strongest lineup has potentially not come together as we would have hoped. And, um, we're maybe now at the stage, you know, five, six rounds into the competition that, that we're starting to get a bit of clarity and understanding as to, to what our lineup is and what we can build on moving forward. So, yeah, it's been a, a challenging start to the season, but certainly um, nothing that we're not prepared to face and, and keep progressing. And speaking of internationals, uh, what has Jade Clark brought to the playing group this year? Uh, Jade's been fantastic in terms of her professionalism and her intensity and the way that she trains and plays and just her experience on court has been extremely valuable, but also off court as well. And um, she's a great addition to our training environment. And we certainly noticed when she wasn't around and, and certainly noticed the impact that she brought back when she was in, back into our environment as well. So, um, yeah, she's a, she's a great competitor um, and really is a, you know, a vocal contributor to, to what we're trying to achieve at the Thunderbirds. And uh, we're very lucky to have, you know, have her in our mix. You talk, you talk about that mix, Dan. You've also had Karen Bailey come in from the Vixens too. She's definitely added a bit to your attacking end, hasn't she? Yeah, she has. You know, Karen's had a pretty rough, rough, rough pre-season with injury in terms of being more on a rehab than really being able to prepare as best as she would like for the season. So she's faced a lot of challenges along the way and is still getting back to regaining full fitness and strength to be able to get out 60 minutes of play in her. But, um, no, she's a step-by-step progress, but is coming along pretty well. So, again, her her maturity and her calm and her poise has been a good addition to our group. So, yeah, she's been tracking along not too bad. And just sort of switching gears up slightly here, how are you finding the new Suncourt Super Netball League in comparison to the Angel Championship where you worked both as an assistant coach and a commentator? Oh, look, I think it's a great competition and I think it's it's very even across the board and perhaps only just now we're seeing maybe, um, you know, some of the teams maybe slip further away. But I think on any day, um, you know, any team can beat anyone. I genuinely believe that. I think what the competition is unearthing is a, a whole new level of depth and, and players that perhaps haven't been exposed previously. And, you know, a lot of young players, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds that have spent a lot of time would have been sitting on benches in the old... ANZ Championship model are now getting on court and fast-tracking their career. And I know from my perspective, I've um, you know, put out an 18-year-old into our starting lineup at goal attacking, Sasha Glasgow, and she's really embracing the opportunity and have been uh, really quite, you know, in the forefront of my mind is, is giving these training partners that I have opportunities to, to showcase their skills. And, you know, two 19-year-olds have been getting out there, you know, 
every single week for us, which I think is, is fantastic and an indication of, of the way the competition is going. And using those training partners, Dan, it's also a further, um, how do I say, a further extra move um, ahead in what is um, a pretty strong netball pathway um, across all the states in Australia. Yeah, I think so. I think the training partner space is, is something that probably needs to be looked at a little bit closer. I think it's really difficult having a team of 10 and um, in terms of your, your match day and things like that because you really do need a, a strong level of flexibility and adaptability in your playing group. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of players in my ken that um, are very even in terms of their playing ability and what they offer as well as in my training partner space. So I've got quite a few interchangeable players that can come in and out of my team as needed. And, and basically week to week, we've been selecting a squad that we feel best matches up and suits what we need for our opposition. So um, a little bit more support around those training partner roles, I think, is the next step for the league because it's very difficult to have 10 professional athletes. And then, you know, our training partners are obviously eligible to be selected. Um, into our game day 10, but obviously on very different remuneration packages and, and different uh, guidelines. So, um, you know, they're serving a very important purpose, those training partners, and we've tried to integrate them as best we can. And, and for me, I'm using them um, to provide as many opportunities for them to, to fast-track their careers, which I think is exciting. And just speaking of training, this question came up just because Ben and I were actually discussing like training facilities off air, but the Thunderbirds were previously aligned with the Port Adelaide Power. They're an AFL team for the benefit of our international listeners. Are there any of those kind of resource and facility sharing agreements in place at the moment? Uh, at the moment, we're really relinked up with, um, with the South Australian Sports Institute. So a lot of our partnerships are, are based there, and obviously we have our home court at Priceline Stadium where we play and train. So at the moment, there's no alignment with the football clubs, but I think it's something that, you know, we'd be very keen to explore again. I think, you know, we're seeing the, the benefits the Collingwoods and the, the Sunshine Coast Lightning and, and the GWS are going to be getting from just having the access to, you know, that high-performance environment and, you know, cutting-edge technology, all that kind of stuff that, you know, if all the foundation clubs don't keep moving forward, we'll be left behind. So, um, you know, AFL is, is a world leader in that type of stuff and, and pure high-performance sport. So it would be crazy not to tap into it. But, um, yeah, I think it's something that's definitely worth exploring because there's more, more pros in that than anything else. And, Dan, you got the Firebirds this week on uh, Saturday night. What are you expecting from them? Uh, pretty fired up, Queensland Firebirds, that's for sure. I know they're a team that, that doesn't lose often, and when they do, they certainly come back with a vengeance. So um, we're going to be expecting, no doubt, a very difficult um, matchup against them. I, I think, look, on paper, we've got every chance to win the game if we can produce um, a little bit more high quality than what we have in previous weeks. I thought we were really good for 30 minutes against the Giants, but then just fell away, and and then the game got a little bit out of reach and um, disappointingly fell by 16 when I thought we, you know, it should have been under 10 at least. Um, but, you know, we're confident. We think we can take the Firebirds and, you know, we think we've got a good game plan in place that we'll keep working on and fine-tuning this week. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's really going to come down to what we do on 10 over ball. And with Ramelda Raikin uh, under the post for the Firebirds, she's, she's an absolute weapon and we know that we're not going to get a lot of opportunities, so we know that when we do, we need to make sure that we are absolutely ruthless in our conviction of them. So uh, that will be a key focus for us, but it should be a great match. And just a sort of 
question is slightly related to what you're saying, but as a head coach, have you noticed any differences when you're coaching against a foundation team like the Firebirds or one of the upstart franchises like, say, Collingwood? Uh, no, not really. I think probably the difference in the league is that, particularly in the first couple of rounds where all the lineups were new, there wasn't a lot of video footage. You didn't have a lot of history of playing styles. And, and really, basically, I think this first half of the season, is all coaches have been figuring out, one, what lineups work for them, how their team plays, and also what the opposition are throwing out there. So um, it's been quite challenging in the first couple of rounds when you're coming up against teams that have completely new lineups from what you're used to. Um, to really kind of pinpoint, you know, what their what their trademarks are and what their structures and strategies are in place, and um, I think that's probably been more of the interesting factor in, in the first few rounds of the competition. And now I think all clubs have a have an identity and an understanding as to who's playing what role, and um, you know, from there it's that that tactical game really starts to come to the fore. And Dan, you've got uh, Jane Silvers, your assistant, reunited from your days with the Southern Saints. And of course, um, we, you and I both have fond memories from when she was coach of the Kestrels. What's Jane bought as your assistant this year to the team? Yeah, Sarah's really experienced. She's obviously been a head coach previously. So, you know, she understands the pressures and the expectations that are placed on a head coach. So she's obviously a good support for me in, in that environment. Um, you know, she's a defensive-minded coach while I'm more of the attacking-minded and, and we, you know, we balance our specialist areas quite well. Um, and, you know, she's just been for a good level of sense of calm to the group and a, a bit of character at times too. So she's slotted into her environment quite nicely and, yeah, it's always fun working with Sealy. So, yeah, it's, it's working quite well at the moment. All right, I'm going to chuck you a two-part question. And the first part of it I'll ask is how important is it to have a balanced coaching staff? Because you alluded to, you know, Jane being more of a defensive-minded coach. And the second part of this question is, has the role of the assistant coach in the time you've been involved coaching top-level netball evolved? Or in other words, has it changed? Yeah, I think um, I think balancing your coaching staff is really important. I think obviously the head coach, you, you're competent and capable to be across the board, but with everything that you have to manage and everything that you have to be consciously thinking about, having that um, assistant coach that can really share the load with you, I think is absolutely critical. And um, you know, we even have Jenny Boys on board as a specialist coach who works with our shooters and is in a training once a week, so we have that extra element as well. Um, but that, that, I think, is, is really critical across the board, that there is balance across your coaching staff and that you complement each other's skill sets so that you've got a, a well-rounded team. And um, What was the second part of your question? The second part, and I probably should have done it as an entirely separate question, but the second part, has the role of the assistant coach changed or evolved in the time that you've been coaching at the top level in netball? Yeah, I think it has a lot. So when I first started back at the Thunderbirds in 2012 as an assistant coach, I was basically just attending training sessions and doing a little bit of preparation at home and um, you know running components of the training sessions and things like that. And then as as the years progressed, it become you know a three day a week job, four day a week job. And and now I think the roles of the assistant coaches and they'd be very similar in in all of the franchises at the moment is that they're full time positions as well, which I think is fantastic because. You know, it's just a, a thing that's probably been introduced over the past couple of years within netball. Um, but, the, you know, there's a lot of work to do and a lot of man hours that goes into getting a team onto the training track every single week and onto match court. So, um, yeah, there's now opportunities for coaches in a head coach role but also in that assistant coach role that has full-time work. So um, I think that the leaps and bounds that have been made in that coaching space over the past couple of years have been 
years have been pretty huge, and um, yeah, we'll continue to see that growth happening. I think. And while we haven't um really finished season one yet of your first season as head coach of the Thunderbirds, Dan, have you been looking at all strategically, like um in the um in the future, like you know what I mean, like planning ahead for future, for like next year, even even though it's still a bit early in the year. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think it's, um, you know, you've always got to have an eye for the future and everything that you do needs to be purposeful and for a reason. And, you know, I hold no secret behind that there is a reason why I'm playing some of these young kids as often as we are is because they need the opportunity to grow. And, you know, if you know, if we still don't get the results that we're looking for this year, we need to make sure that we're learning and gaining something out of the experiences that we're putting out there. So, um, the likes of a Sasha Glasgow, a Charlie Hodges, a Jane Cook, a Gia Abernathy, these players that are 18, 19 years of age who are probably the future of the Thunderbirds, you know, I need to give them as much exposure as possible but also make sure that I'm operating a very accountable, high-performance environment. And the reality is these kids aren't getting opportunities because they they need a chance. It's because they're earning it. And for me, the environment isn't about reputations. It isn't about past experience. It isn't about what name you have. It really is about what you're doing week to week, session to session, minute by minute on the court. And we really are operating on a, on a form-based selection and a performance. And, you know, in that, you've got an eye for now, for success immediately, and also an eye for the future. And um, we're doing our very best to make sure that we blend the two together as best we can because we want to win netball matches. We also want to make sure we're in a good place for some sustainable success in the years to come. And just briefly, can you allude a little bit to those younger players earning a start or a place on the bench? Just because I ask this question, because purely if you look at it from a fan point, and I'm speaking you know, very superficially here, as you know from the fan perspective, you do then it does look like you know are these players going to be given a chance? Whereby you quite rightfully point out they have to earn it. Oh, absolutely. This is this is professional sport, and you don't get given a go because you're a good person. You get given a go because you've earned the right to be better than anyone else in that position on that given day. So um, that's what it's all about, and you know. Fans will interpret things as what the, any way they wish, but at the end of the day, we're the ones who are seeing these athletes in the environment every single day and making decisions based on what we feel the team best needs to be successful on that occasion. And you know that's why there has been a bit of rotation in our squad. Is there's been times where we've felt that we've needed an extra attacking player rather than an extra defensive player, and uh, we've felt that we've needed someone to play a role for five minutes to get out there and inject something. And, and you know, they're decisions we're making, and, and everything again for purpose and reason. It's not just for the sake of doing it. So, um, yeah, it's quite an interesting process that's been happening all along. All right, Dan, thanks very much for joining us today. I still haven't forgot our days at uni together. I, I still treasure them fondly. Good on you, mate. Me too. Always good times. <laughs> All right, thanks very much for that, Dan. Cheers, guys. You've been listening to the Three Feet Radio Show with Ben Carbonaro and Luke Herbert. Tune in next time for more special guests and netball commentary 